cast into the bitter depths he whom grave nor hell could harness rose and tore the
life descended to the world he made The ageless rock of ages in a manger laid Behold the word that bore our flesh The heart of God inside an infant's chest The infinite incarnate in a virgin's hands The radiance of the Father in the Son of Man Behold the peace that pierced the night The hope of nations in a baby's cry
baby is born the sovereign of heaven whom angels adore is wrapped in the weakness of our mortal frame the little lord jesus asleep on the
attention. Good morning. Welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. As we begin our worship this morning, we will be reading from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 33. Let us stand. I'll read the leader part, and you read the congregation part. One of the scribes approached when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. He asked them, which command is the most important? Jesus, Jesus answered, the most, most important, important is listen, O Israel, Israel. The, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have correctly said, He is one, and there is no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Let's begin our worship this morning.
Good morning and welcome to Hebrew Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name is Alan and it is such a joy to be able to worship with you all today. So glad that you all are here. If you're a guest with us today, we want to extend a special welcome to you, whether you're here in person or online. We're so glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you. And one way we can do that is if you would fill out a connect card. 
It looks like this. It's sitting in the pew in front of you. This will let us know how we can be praying for you and serving you. And after service, you can lead through these central doors, turn left. That's our next steps desk there. You can turn that card in. A smiling face will be happy to answer any questions that you might have and also give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. I know there's not a ton of people in some of the pews here, and that's because we're experiencing some, some sickness around here. There's been a rise in COVID. So if you're a member, you might be meeting online today. We just want to extend a welcome to you. We're so glad that you're able to join online. Well, today's a special Sunday. we got some special things going on today. You'll notice that we don't have Colin or Mark here in person. We just have their shoes here. And that's because they are down in Mexico visiting with the Richard family, Chris Rhonda, Hannah, and Kenley, encouraging the Richards as they're preparing for international missions, training in Mexico. So we're going to pray for them this morning. So glad that they're able to be there to encourage the Richard family. Also, today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. So it's a great opportunity for us to praise God for the gift of life in the womb and to pray for his protection of that life. So we'll pray for that also. In addition, as always, we'd like to encourage our faithful giving. Uh, if you'd like to do that, there's a few ways that you can give. Here in person, there are black boxes in the back of the room. You can put a gift in there. If you prefer to give online, one way to get to our website giving page is just picking up a card that looks like this. You can scan that QR code, and that'll take you to our giving page. You can also drop into the office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 4.30, or Friday, 9 to noon. Or you can write to P.O. Box 92, Hebrew, Kentucky, 41048. One other announcement before we pray, and many of you have heard this, but sadly, this past week, Paulette Chalk passed away. We had been praying for her. She had an illness there, and, uh, but praise God of her hope in Jesus, and her faith is now made sight. She's present with the Lord. So we'll pray for her family and praise God for what he has done in Paulette's life. So many things, uh, joys and sorrows, we can bring them all to God. So let's go ahead and pray together. Good morning, Father. Lord, we thank you for another day that we get to come before you, that you hold everything in your hands, and we can come and rest all of our prayers, all of our concerns, all of our joys at your feet. Lord, this morning we want to pray for our core value of sacrificial giving. Thank you that you have done this, demonstrated this to us every day of our lives. You have been so generous to us. Each breath, our daily bread, the fellowship that you've given to us with each other here in this building. Thank you for taking care of our needs. Thank you for giving to us so sacrificially. And Lord, we desire to respond to your generosity, to your sacrifices by being sacrificial givers ourselves. Everything is yours, Lord. All of our, all of our treasures and our time and our talents, we offer these to you. We hold them loosely in our hands, and we pray that you would use them for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, this morning we pray with joy for Pastor Mark and Pastor Colin thanking you that they get to go and visit the Richards in Mexico. We pray that this visit would encourage the Richards so much that you would just be a blessing to them to, to fuel them, to keep moving forward. We pray specifically this morning as Colin will be preaching and Rhonda sharing her testimony at church. Lord, would you please bless uh, those words that come from their mouths to do incredible things. Lord, bless the fellowship Bless and encourage the Richard family. And please keep Mark and Colin safe as they travel home. This morning, Sanctity of Life Sunday, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to praise you for the gift of life, of little lives in their mother's womb that you fearfully and wonderfully make. Lord, we pray uh, for those women right now who may be in challenging situations considering abortion. 
would you please give them clarity? Would you please bless them with a friend who may come alongside them and support them? Lord, we pray in these very difficult times that you would be ever-present and that you would give them strength to choose life. We pray for those who have experienced abortion. Lord, we pray that you would use that, that horrible uh, sorrow to lead them to the grace of Jesus and that they would experience new life in what Jesus can do. We pray that you would raise up more families who are able and willing to adopt babies who need a loving home. And we thank you for those families who you have raised up who are doing that. We pray for more, Lord, that you would just allow that beautiful gospel picture of loving and receiving a child to be manifest more and more in lives. And we pray that you would give wisdom to government leaders who are making decisions, passing bills, legislation that affect um, these things, Lord. Would you be glorified this Sanctity of Life Sunday? Lord, we pray not only for ourselves this morning, but we want to pray for Terry Lee, pastor of the Oaks Church in Cincinnati. Lord, we pray this morning that they would be refreshed of your amazing generosity and that you would use them to be sacrificial givers as they worship you in Cincinnati. Lord, we pray that you would be ever-present with the family of Paulette Chalk this morning in this very low time of grieving, Lord. Would you allow her faith to just be an example to all of us? And that, that would be an encouragement, that we would look to the hope that now she has inside Jesus. Bless the Chalk family now in this time. Lord, we want to pray for those who are sick in our congregation, for those in northern Kentucky with COVID or other sicknesses, that you would give strength and healing. We pray specifically, Lord, for Linda Davis continuing to heal, and for Tim Witcher. Please be with these and many others. And Lord, we come to you finally with our greatest need, and that is a relationship with you. Thank you that you have looked upon us in our, in our sin and our brokenness, and your, your response has been grace, incredible grace, as you sacrificially gave your own son, Jesus, God the Son incarnate, who lived a perfect life where we have all sinned. He never sinned, and he died faithful to you, his Father, on the cross for us, that our sins would be forgiven. Thank you for his amazing sacrifice. Thank you for his resurrection, the hope that we get to have now. We worship you. We praise you as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to watch a brief video now. And just for a little bit of context, coming up next month, we're excited to, to have a conference here about mentoring. Mentoring is going to be one of our focuses as a church as, as we set out a mentoring program. We've had a little test round of that going on at the end of last year. So we're going to hear from one of our members who got to experience that. And uh, look forward to hearing that. So here it is. I was with Wendy Whitaker and Kristen Early. And it wasn't, for me, it wasn't so much the knowledge that I gained, but for the other person's point of view and their insight. And with them being a bit younger than I was, than I am, <laughs> it um, gave me a chance to see what they were thinking and also helped me to clarify my thoughts to them. Sometimes people in my age group get into sort of a rut and we like to do things exactly the same, and being with younger people was a bigger help. I think with the, what helped me most was the goal setting as to how am I going to take what I learned, saw in the scriptures today and take it into the week, and also to help me to think about as I went through my daily walk how I could reach out to other people. 
stand as we continue our worship with the song Christ our hope in life and death and he really is the only hope that we have
as we go to our next song. How firm a foundation is Christ our Lord, and he is our firm foundation. If you don't know him, Pastor Sean's going to talk about him. And at the end of the service, you'll have an opportunity to respond to him. So take a listen to that, and take a listen to these words. Shake. 
situations or even uh, what the Bible says um, and just spending time together week to week is uh, just something to really look forward to and something that the family really enjoys. Well I think for me it has helped me to be maybe more open about uh, my needs and about expressing myself, uh, discussing the word and uh, also has helped me to be more aware of other people's needs that are around me. I think we need to have that interaction with other believers in Christ to help strengthen us because uh, the Word of God says that we need that fellowship and we can't always get that at church alone. We need to have that uh, more intimate setting where we can break bread together and uh, share each other's burdens as well as study the Word of God. We've all been in a situation, most of us, where we haven't had kids and when you actually do have kids, life just changes and you can't imagine anything better. You can't imagine going back. So uh, for us, for my family and I, life group has been similar to that. You know, once you have it, you just don't want to go back. Good morning, I'm Pastor Sean, and uh, we're beginning a series today uh, that will expand over the next several, probably five weeks or so, to answer the question, what's next? Well, what's next is actually not much that's new, uh, but it's what's next to remind us how we might have a vibrant and faithful walk with Jesus Christ. It's something to remind us to focus us individually as Christians but also to focus us as a church, are we prioritizing the main important things in our lives as Christians? And what, in, what has God granted us and given us as a way for us to grow as believers, but for us together to accomplish the Great Commission that we might teach and reach people in northern Kentucky and the nations for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look and begin, it's really the, our series of our runways, what we've talked about for a few years now, about what are those areas or runways that we should be on as believers 
that we might grow into faithful maturity and grow in Christ. So today we're going to look in the book of Ezra. If you want to turn in your Bibles uh, there to Ezra chapter 7, it's page 412 in the pew Bible that's in front of you. If you want to follow along in the translation that I am uh, reading from, 412. Uh, we're going to read from Ezra chapter 7 and the first 10 verses, and we're going to look at the essential elements and the necessity of life group in our lives. So let's read beginning in verse 1 of Ezra chapter 7. After these events, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, Ezra, Zeruiah's son, Azariah's son, Hilkal's son, Shalom's son, Zodak's son, Adab's son, Amariah's son, Azariah's son, Miriath's son, Zerahiah's son, Uzziah's son, Bukai's son, Abusha's son, Phineas's son, Eleazar's son, and chief priest Aaron's son came up from Babylon. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he requested because the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Some of the Israelites, priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants accompanied him to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. As Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month during the seventh year of the king, he began the journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the first month since the gracious hand of God was on him. Now Ezra had determined his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning trusting in your word and knowing that whether we have ever read this text before or not, or whether we've ever wrestled with its concepts or not, we know that your word is living and active and that, God, we seek to come to meet with you. God, change us. Change us as your people. Change us through the power of your word. Change us that we may look more like your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, at the beginning of the year, everyone makes their New Year's resolutions, right? And most of those tend to be getting healthier. According to statistics that the health and wellness industry is an 86 B with a B billion dollar industry. And most of the activity of this industry happens in the first month of the year. As a matter of fact, 12% of new signups in the, in the gym industry are within January. And statistics tell us things go well, that there's a 4% increase of new people uh, who are joining gyms and a 5% decrease of people who are, eating, uh, uh, who are eating fast food. But here's the problem. It's endurance. Uh, that by the end of January, that 4% of those new gym, gym members have already stopped going. By the end of February, 4% of the gym goers have stopped going. And within six months, 50% of gym members have stopped going on a regular ba basis. I think the desire within everyone to be renewed, to be healthy, to, 
to be growing is something that's good in all of us. But the problem, unfortunately, seems to be that we don't have staying power. And sometimes that's similar to us in the Christian life. We want renewal. We want health. We want change. We want growth. And unfortunately, in the same way, we don't see staying power. We don't see the way that we continue on in this growth, taking our next steps towards Christ. Well, we want to be renewed in the mission and vision that God has given us. We want to take those next steps towards Christ uh, as individuals and as a church of the Great Commission. We don't want it to wane. We don't want it to fade. We want to be looking in a way and acting in a way that we're growing steadily in the Lord as individuals in a church. So how do we do this? Well, as a church, we've We've indicated or designed that there are five runways that every faithful Christian can be on that can maintain growth and steady as we walk in growth and walk as disciples of Christ. So when we ask the question, what's next? It really should be something that we do, that we do heartily unto the Lord all the time. Today, I want to challenge you as what's next for you, or maybe what's next in your commitment level, is to mature through life groups. To mature through life groups. Life groups is where us as a church grow healthy, but also where we grow together as a church body. Our text today helps us to see the essential elements of life groups and why they're important to us. Now, let me just give us a little, uh, kind of a, a, a quick overview or a catch-up of where we are in redemptive history when we land in Ezra chapter 7. Most of you know or might remember that Israel, because of their unfaithfulness and the unfaithfulness of the kings as well as the people, God punished Israel by sending them into exile. They were overtaken by Babylonian Empire. They were taken uh, by the Babylonian Empire as captives. And God said, this is your punishment for your disobedience to me, that you will be withheld from my presence and held as a people. But I will save you. There will be one day that you will return. Well, after being in captivity for many years, that Israel, it is now time for them to return. The book of Ezra and Nehemiah is that story of the returning of the exiles to the land of Jerusalem. In the beginning of Ezra, we see that Cyrus, the emperor, uh, 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 now the Babylonians were taken over by the Persians, and the Persian king Cyrus said, hey, one way to make peace in the land is to say all you captives can go back. As a matter of fact, he makes a decree that he would send back the, Jerusalem, the, the, the Jews back to their homeland, even financing them to rebuild the temple and rebuild the land. And this is where we find ourselves. There's a great emphasis that God puts over the book of Ezra and Nehemiah through the people and through the leaders. At first glance, what do we read? We read there's an emphasis on rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city walls that we read in Nehemiah. 
There's a lot about rebuilding God's house is what Cyrus, Cyrus says, or that God says, Cyrus says, God led me to do this for you. Well, interestingly, the word that was used for God's house can also mean God's family. If we read these books and only see that God was building up infrastructure, we miss the point of the two books. The point of Ezra and Nehemiah is that God is rebuilding his people. That he is renewing their faith in him. Rebuilding them, renewing them, restoring them to love him, to be faithful to him, to be faithful as God's people. And what we read in this book and what we read over these, these two books is that we see that the family of God is being restored. Well, isn't that what we do as a New Testament church? That we disciple, we preach the gospel, we disciple each other to restore and renew and build up the family of God, equipped to go on the Great Commission. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says, And you become a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. You yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built up to a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, we are reminded that we, as we are living stones we are now new people that god has created in his name by trusting in the name of jesus by being changed by the gospel of jesus christ that we are renewed to follow him in a new way but together god uses us to build a family a house a temple a place a people that worships and praises god together so how do we renew? How do we restore? How do we walk down a path together? Not just individually, but also in our life groups. How do we mature in our faith? How do we grow faithfully as God's people? In verse 10, we see that Ezra knew how he might restore the people. He didn't focus on infrastructure, though he did, only on infrastructure, he didn't focus on, uh, on certain things. What did he focus on? Verse 10, Ezra determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, and to teach it to others. You see, we must understand that the goal and help of life groups in our life is that we can do these things, that we can study God's word, that we can obey God's word and we can teach God's word to others. You see, the Bible is an essential element to our life groups. And we need the Bible to help us grow individually and gives us life groups so that we might be able to be equipped by one another and help one another to grow in God's word. And so we, I challenge you, God's word challenges us as God's people to be faithful in our life groups, to be faithful in God's word and in this passage, we see three things that renews us as God's people and are essential in our life groups. What are those? Number one, we mature by studying the scriptures. 
We mature by studying the scriptures. It says in verse 10, Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord. We see that Ezra was a descendant of the priests of Levi, of Aaron, that he was God's person for his house, that he was to lead spiritually in the temple of God. It says that he was an expert in the law and that because of this, he knew he was to go. Now, uh, at the beginning of the book of Ezra, uh, a, a remnant or exiles had already gone back to the land. They had actually begun and built the temple. But unfortunately, having the building is not the most important thing. It is the, the desire and the direction to worship and obey God. And Aaron, uh, sorry, Ezra in the line of Aaron was to go back and say, I need to not just restore a, a physical structure, but the heart of God's people. And the only way that I can do this as a leader and that God's people would be renewed, renewed and restored to God is that they were to study the scripture and that I'm to help them. You know, we read this and probably everyone here says, oh, okay, yep, I've heard this sermon before. I know what he's going to tell me to do. Read the Bible. I get it. Okay, woo, boy, really original, Pastor. You've been off for a few weeks, and this is all you came up with for the first sermon that you came back with. You know, it, it does sound pretty elementary, but unfortunately, when we look at statistics, we see an an absolute glaring biblical illiteracy of God's people in his churches not just this church but all churches this is not saying of the world of course if we're going to lump the world into statistics of reading the Bible it's uh, I mean most of the world is not Christians so of course they're not reading the Bible but the statistics of Bible believing churchgoers are astounding when you look at how their intake of the Bible. Only a third of U.S. Protestant churchgoers say they read the Bible every day. Every day, only a third. Twenty-seven uh, percent of the same say that they read the Bible a few times a week, and a full twelve percent of church-going Christians say they never read the Bible. Brothers and sisters, to be renewed and matured, we must turn to God's Word. We must not overlook the power of God's Word in our life. God gave it to us to bring us life, to, to display to us the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in reading of the pages, we are introduced to the God, the creator of the universe, who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, that by grace, if we extend in faith, we are saved. This specific message of gospel and salvation is from the beginning to the end of the Bible. And God gave this for us. But in it, we see a way to, to restore and pursue God's way for us in a way that leads to blessing, a way that leads to honoring Him with everything that we do. It is in God's Word that we receive life and life change. If we are, are, are 
We might forget the power of God's word, but the book of Ezra helps us to see the power of God's word. Uh, I know that you haven't read all of this chapter, this book lately, but maybe you did, and you would notice that in chapter 4, as the people were building up the temple, they came against great opposition, that, that they started to get discouraged, that they started to stop. Well, what changed what changed the direction? What changed them to be able to build the temple? Was it a letter by King Darius? Was, was it a, a, a stirring speech given by one of the workers? No, it was the work of the prophets of God, Haggai and Zechariah, pointing the people to God's word that changed them and changed the people that they might finish the temple. And this was all done by, by going back to God's word and trusting in God's word. In chapter 9, when the sin of the people of God were exposed, it was said and written in chapter 9, verse 4, that the people repented and turned to God because they trembled at the very words of the God of Israel. You see, it was the word of God, the scriptures, that did a work in their life. And brothers and sisters, never underestimate the power of the word of God. That is how God brings life to his fallen world again and again and again. In 2 Peter 1.3, Peter wrote, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. See, brothers and sisters, we have been given everything for life by going to our to the copy of God's word and going to know more about him. Everything we need has been given for us to have life. Over the holidays, there was a 30-page, actually I think it was a 36-page document that I spent every night for, for several days just combing over and reading. It was just arduous. It was, I, I was, I was, rereading and, and reading again and matching up and going to the last page and going back to the beginning page and, and reading it over and over again and because I knew that it was vital to me. What was this document? It was the instructions to build a Disney princess castle. Four feet high. Every, every section I needed to know what double G screw went in double L hole and, and which a double C part went over to double uh, triple Z section. I needed to go down line by line, place by place, because I knew how vital it was for me to get this castle built. How much more, brothers and sisters, should we devour and be in God's word. Because it's not building a wood and plastic Disney princess castle. It's building a life on the foundation of God. And by going into God's word, we understand how important it is. Psalm 19 says that God's word is radiant. It is pure. It is perfect. It is more valuable than pure gold. It is 
more precious than honey on the honeycomb. Why? Because it is God speaking to his people and giving us truth. Friend, if you're here today and you're wondering how can you know truth, if you're wondering in a world that is unstable and not knowing what to stand on, if you're caught up in the winds of the philosophies of this age where everybody determines every person's truth, may I encourage you to find real truth in the Word of God. Turn in it to read it and hear it. Give yourself to it. Allow God to reveal to you the Bible. And if you're a non-Christian, I would especially advise you to read the Gospels because in it, you will find someone far more precious than Ezra. You will find Jesus Christ, who is the very Word of God. Who in John says that he, in the beginning, was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. If you are looking for truth in your life, I encourage you to read God's Word. Don't be shaken. And remember that you have a foundation to stand on in every part of your life when you value God's Word. So as a Christian, how are you studying God's Word? What plan have you created? What books of the Bible are you planning to read this year? I encourage you to take studying God's Word seriously. We're going to introduce in a few weeks a Bible study method, but one you can start even today on your own. Taking a passage of Scripture and going through it and using the spec model of Bible study method. I think we have it up here on the screen that gives us the breakdown. When you read a passage of Scripture, ask, is there a sin to confess? Maybe in the passage there's a promise to keep. Maybe there's an example in it that you might follow. Maybe there's a command that you need to obey. Maybe there's knowledge about Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit that you need to understand. Every Christian, every believer can walk through God's Word because you've been given His perfect Word and you've been given the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is readable and understandable and profitable for every one of us. On your way out, if you'd like uh, to pick up one of these models, they're out on the next steps desk that you can use in your own personal Bible study. So I encourage you as a believer to take your next step towards Christ by studying God's Word. I say, Pastor, this was about life groups. Well, this is important to life groups as well. Life groups... Be reminded that the only life you can give the people in your group is based in God's Word. May we be careful that we not be distracted by the important and necessary fellowship that we must have together, but instead make sure that we're guarding our time and be reminded that our point is to gather around God's Word. So let our guard ourselves, protect ourselves, and not be distracted so that we can be in the counsel of God together. That we might mature each other as we read and study the Bible together. So secondly, first we need to study the Bible. What else Ezra commit to do? That we are to obey the scriptures. He said that he would obey it. 
We mature by obeying the commands of Scripture. Isn't that seem, uh, it does seem elementary. But many of us stop at the first part, intake, and not living what we know. You see, maturity is taking something and applying it to our lives, and that is obeying the commands of Scripture. Ezra tells us that we are to obey God's Word. Ezra focused on reforms, not just for God's people on what they know, but how to live. He reinstated temple worship, festival worship, what it meant to be holy, sacrificial living, all of these things in order that God's covenant people might again be united in faith to him that they might obey God and live for God. Brothers and sisters, the goal of any Bible study, sermon, or our very own devotional time with God in the morning is that God's word would change us to make us more look like Jesus. If we just take enough information to maybe get by on our Bible knowledge, that's important that we understand God's word, but we have fallen short if we don't apply God's word to our life. Some of you today might be a new Christian, or maybe you've been Christian for a while and not taken seriously reading your Bible. You might even feel frustrated. You look at some other Christian and you say, boy, I don't know half of what they know. Or I can't keep it all together. That Who was this king and what was this prophet and what did this do? And you know, How many of the 12 disciples are there? Okay, there's 12, okay. But, but you might get frustrated in all these details. But here's something that every Christian can do. Read God's word and then obey it. Read a passage and ask God to help you be faithful in it. The goal of studying your Bible is not just to know what it says, but to change you. If you're reading the Bible and it's not changed you, you've missed the point of reading God's Word. Psalm 119, says, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every false way. Brothers and sisters, part of us reading the Bible is to know what is being Christian, but knowing how we might live to worship God. Jesus tells us and actually prays for us, prays to God on our behalf and says, God, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. If we are to grow, we are to be sanctified. We are to grow in the image of Christ. And it comes through applying God's word in our lives and living what it says. Pastor Paul Washer says, submitting our lives to the word of God is not radical, it's basic Christianity. Friend, if you're uncertain about the truth of Christianity, I want you to hear this. When we are as Christians, that we are to live the standard of God's word. And I challenge you to not live in a way by finding what is true by what's popular in this age. If you to live in a way that is popular, in other words, I'm going to decide how I'm going to live by what's popular right now. You are heading down a path away from God and away from his Bible. How do I know this? Because if you're taking the survey and the poll of the world, you are taking the pulse of God-haters. 
and people who oppose God. Why would you want to be popular in a world of people who oppose and hate God? Well, you say, Pastor, that's a, that's a little harsh, don't you think? Don't you think that's harsh to say that the world hates God? Well, I mean, the scriptures tell us the world hates God. But brothers and sisters, the Savior of the world came to this earth and they crucified him. This world hates God. We live in a world that we have to have safety of life Sunday to remind us and declare that life is valuable. We live in a world that disposes of babies like their fingernail clippings. We live in a world that are God-haters. We can't look to the world and how to live. We can't look to the world and how to be faithful to God. We need to understand that it is God's word that has called us and gives us the faithfulness in how to live. Christians, as you gather in your personal study and in our life groups, one of the most vital and important thing, the reason we even do life groups, this is the reason, is that we challenge and help one another live what God's word says. That is why we do it. When we took this step into life groups, it is because we understood the biggest challenge that the church is facing is we have a, a church and Christians full of head knowledge that don't match their life. And we have not done a good job of discipling one another. So as Christians, as you look in your devotional time, you need to be looking how God's Word is challenging you to be faithful in God's Word. When you gather in small groups and life groups that you are, you are coming together to say, hey, how can I help you obey God's Word? How can you help me obey God's Word? How can we help each other obey God's word together. I look across all of our life groups that are on Sunday mornings and throughout the week, and we have the best and most faithful leaders that I've ever seen in knowing God's word. And it's important that they have such great biblical knowledge, but we need to make sure that all of us, whether we're a leader or we're just a member of a group, that what we're doing is helping each other live those truths can I go back to the manual that I studied for several nights it was to be very important that if I could take that one double G screw and by the millimeter know exactly oh you know the great Kreskin or something oh by the feel and weight of it this is a double G I know what it is okay well if I had all that knowledge boy that would be great but what made it matter that I was able to apply it and build the castle. It's vital that we know God's word so that we can live it. So ask yourselves, how are you living out this text? Ask each other in your life groups, how can I help you live out this text? How can we live it out together? If all we do is gather around and all we have is knowledge of God's word, we have missed a vital opportunity for the Holy Spirit and for us as a church to use the gift of each other in our lives.
God has given us each other that we might be encouraged to be faithful, to be helped to obey, to be corrected when we need it, but to be loved all the way through it. Brothers and sisters, we need to hold each other accountable to obey God's word. But finally, as we look to this, we must mature by teaching the scriptures to others. We must mature by teaching the scriptures to others. Ezra committed, he was going to commit the scriptures to others. And as we study and as we obey as Christians, every Christian is equipped to help and teach each other the scriptures. Let me say that again. I didn't make a mistake. Every Christian has the ability to take the scriptures and teach someone else how to obey them. Yes, there are that God has gifted in a special ability to teach or to preach God's word. There are people who have been given a special gifting by the Lord in these areas, but every Christian has been given the ability to disciple and grow someone else with the scripture. We see that from the book of Acts. What did they do in chapter 2? They took the apostles' teaching, they went to each other's house, they broke bread together, they talked about it, they challenged each other, they encouraged each other, they worshiped together, and then they reached people with the gospel. Brothers and sisters, this is the plan of God, that the word of God, the gospel of God comes to me to be saved, that I may be discipled by someone else so that I too might take the gospel to someone else and disciple them. This is not rocket science. This is taking the scripture, reading it together, applying it together, and helping one another be faithful to God's word. When you study it and you think of a passage in a way, how might I explain this to someone else? It might be a sentence. It might be going to work and saying, you know, this morning in my quiet time, I read where Jesus said that we are to forgive seven times seventy. And I remembered what Jesus said because he had forgiven me much and forgiven me of my sins. Today, I'm going to forgive people in my office place when they make a mistake more. Look, I've just explained it and told them what God's done in my life. Whatever it takes for you, whether you're going to teach a child, a friend, a non-Christian, a person in your life group, whoever that is, you, God has given you the perfect gift of the Bible and has given you the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit that lives in you that allows you to help someone else with the Bible. You see, God has given us specifically, and even more so, the gift of the church the local church, that we might equip one another and grow one another in our faith. And we can teach each other how to know and live the scriptures. One of my first jobs was working at a movie theater. And uh, I had to learn, I learned all the jobs. First was an usher, that's where they feel like you can't make any mistakes except for not cleaning up or something after a movie. And then, uh, and then you then you kind of work your way up to concessions and then you you work your way up to the box office and and every step it was vital to our 
to, to where I work was that everybody helped each other out. So that when I went to concessions, that, that we were taught, oh, this is how we do this, this is what we do here. I had, it wasn't my boss that did that. It was the people that I worked with. This is, you know, this is when we go and this is when we go and we restock and this is how we damage a box so we can get free candy. And, uh, you know, uh, this is how you work the machine to do the, the ticket booth. All these things was because someone come along, came alongside me and showed me. In the same way, we as God's people are stronger and we're stronger as a church when we commit to being faithful to one another to teach each other the scriptures. And that is why we're in life group. That we're part of teaching and helping one another know and obey God's word. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on com compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you are to also forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule over the hearts. And be thankful. And hear this, church. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. And all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with great gratitude in your hearts, and do, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Brothers and sisters, we are called to equip, to teach, and challenge each other in God's word. That is why life, being in a life group is so important. It is vital to our growth and maturity as a Christian. It helps you to know God's Word. It helps you to obey God's Word. And it helps you to pass on what you've learned to others. And it's so important in growing us in God's body. Pastor Mark says all the time, and unfortunately it shows time and time again to be true. That it not only is it important to us to know God's Word, but it's important for us to be connected and endure as Christians. If, we, if you're not part of a life group on Sunday morning or throughout the week, you're not connected to other Christians. And when you're not connected to other Christians, within six months, you will be gone and not in church anymore. We live in a world where there's always things pulling us away. And it is when we are with other believers challenging us spiritually and loving on us faithfully that we are committed to God and his church so are you part of a life group in just a few minutes after our our final song I'm going to bring up our life group leaders so that you can see them and know them that you can find out and see them their face so that you can ask more about their group so that you can be part of it commit in the next week or two, to, to go visit a life group and find a life group that is yours. And maybe you go to visit one and you try that out and you go to another one, but I encourage you to find one that's right for you. If you're wanting to learn about Christianity, if you're a new Christian, well, I encourage you to especially plug in to a life group because God has given you people that can come alongside of you as you begin to follow Jesus. God does not call us 
to be Lone Ranger Christians, but has blessed us with a church, but also a group that can encourage us in our faith. Brother and sister, let's encourage one another to mature through life groups. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word and the challenge to know your word, obey it, and teach it to others. The way that we're faithful here in this is that we are faithful through life groups. And Lord, I pray for our life groups, our leaders, the people who are in it, that through it many are matured in faith, walking with God, and that many know you through faithfulness to your word. God, I pray this morning that as you we come that we are challenged to be faithful even when we're in our life group. Maybe we come to our life group haphazardly or maybe not putting our, our heart into it. So God, I pray that we would be looking to our life group to grow us, encourage us in our faith. Lord, we're thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, that can put us in a family of faith. And we're thankful for him who has died for our sins. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that does not know you, the Lord, today would be the day of their salvation. They would trust you and join this family together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand as we prepare our hearts for our invitation. Wherever he leads, I'll go. You've been presented with the message. You've been challenged with the word. The question that you have to answer to yourself is, what are you going to do with that?
seated. I'm going to ask our life group leaders, they, uh, they're going to come up here and just, just line up right here on the front here, on the floor. Doesn't matter which order, it doesn't matter where you go. So, I'm just going to kind of go through here. We've got the Aiken Davis Life Group, who meets on Thursday nights. Alvin Dyke, who meets on Sunday mornings. Uh, the Brownings meet on Friday nights. The Whitakers meet on Sundays. The Holbrooks meet on Mondays. And uh, I am not Clay Miller. I'm better looking than Clay Miller. That's for you at home, Clay. Uh, but I am in his life group, and he is the most, I will say, he is the best life group leader who gives me very encouragement. And so we meet on Mondays. And so uh, this is our groups. I wanted you to see a face that you can come. They'll be out kind of meandering around. We also have Glenda Gabbard's life group. Uh, who meets on Sunday mornings, and Paulette Lyons, who meets on Sunday mornings. And so uh, we encourage you to find one of these people to be a part of their life groups uh, as they grow in maturity of faith. So uh, we wanted to see a face. Why don't you think through those? And then if you want to see one of them right after service, uh, you can go talk to them, okay? So y'all go on, and y'all can go on out to the foyer if you'd like. Um, I've got a couple of quick things before we continue or finish. Uh, First of all, uh, on uh, next Sunday, this is really important, next Sunday we're going to be having our missions luncheon. Now we're going to provide deli meats and sandwiches, but we encourage you to bring uh, a soup to share, a chili to share, or a dessert to share. Uh, and what we're going to do is learn about our partners, our partnerships, uh, both in Salt Lake City and in London, and of course uh, we'll get an update from Chris and Rhonda next Sunday as well as uh, Mark and Colin are there now, and so uh, if you have been interested, had all these questions, actually you might have even gone to someone else who's told you something that's probably maybe not true. So next Sunday, you will know for sure. Come and learn, eat, fellowship. Uh, as I said, you know, the fellowship and food is important, but next week you'll learn about the partners straight from the horse's mouth, and that's what we'll talk about next Sunday after church favorite soup favorite chili or dessert to share uh, February 4th through 6th as you saw the video earlier in our service we've had uh, Linda date uh, sorry not Linda Davis but uh, Linda Van Dyke who was part of uh, uh, one of our beginning groups who uh, basically what we're calling them is discipleship groups it's three people together studying God's Word and meeting together on a regular basis and talking about applying God's Word uh, and we're going to have a mentor conference that fourth and sixth. We're going to learn how to do that uh, and do that together. Friday night at 7, uh, Saturday morning at 9 a.m., and then Dr. Lawless will be here on Sunday morning. I want you to come and make a, make a note to try to be here at all those sessions so that you can be uh, equipped to be a part of mentoring and helping one another and being a part of it. Maybe you might come and say, Hey, you know, I'm not ready to lead a group, but I want to be a part of a group because I know that I need to take my next step in discipleship. We hope that you're part of that. You're going to see some more videos and how God's been using that 
over the last couple of months to help people and encourage people in their walk. Uh, uh, number four, uh, today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, uh, and out in the foyer are baby bottles that you can put, uh, collect change in. Um, I know maybe not of us use like hard money anymore, but uh, some of us still do. Uh, whatever way you could use a donation to put in there or to collect your change, I want you to hold on to that and collect change and donations for that until February 13th. So the, you know, the, the Sunday, the day before Valentine's Day, return that baby bottle with change and a gift for Ho New Hope Center. A New Hope Center is a crisis pregnancy center that we love here at Hebron Baptist Church. We've partnered with them on several different things. Uh, they, can, they really have a place, they have a room they call the Hope Room, uh, where they can get a, a woman who is struggling in a crisis pregnancy, get her uh, with a um, uh, sonogram and see that baby. And God changes minds and changes lives. And then they support those women and families. And so it's so important. Maybe you want to even volunteer with that group. We love the New Hope Center. Uh, but if you want to collect money for that, take a baby bottle. Uh, it's out across the hallway. Take it home with you and then return it February 13th. Also out there, if you have not, is the quilt out there, Linda? The quilt is. So if you have not signed the quilt for Linda Davis, there's just a quilt to uh, encourage her, have your name signed on there so that she knows that people are praying for her and loving on her here at Hebron Baptist Church. Sign that as you leave. So just sign that as you walk out the door today. And then I, I believe at least three committees are meeting today right after ch uh, church to uh, get their um, uh, chair people. So uh, here in just about two minutes, I guess y'all can congregate and uh, do that before you leave today. Thank you for being here today and worshiping Christ together with us. May we go with God's blessing and his peace as we go to follow him and his word and teach others to do the same. God bless.